Howdy, y'all. Just one little quick warning I wanted to give you in case you're listening with kids. There's a little bit of language in this one. I recorded this on my phone so it would really stand out to you and none of y'all would miss it because I would hate for you to have any awkward situations based on what's in the episode. But I know you'll enjoy it. So, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the inaugural episode of The Ramble Room. Got a real treat for you today. My dear, dear friend, Mr. Justin Warren. I'll intro him a little bit more inside the actual interview, but uh, let me tell you, he's got a lot of wisdom for you, a lot of encouragement, good stories, and I think you'll walk away feeling strengthened. I think you'll walk away feeling like it's going to be okay. And uh, that's what I want to do for you in these interviews, just expose you to people that uh, have made my life so much richer, and I know they'll do the same for you. So... We talk about everything from uh, filmmaking to music to social media and the, uh, the coming apocalypse, so to speak. Uh, but it's a good time, and I know you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, my name's Ransom, and this is The Ramble Room. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming to the inaugural episode of The Ramble Room. Uh, as I've said before, I just I have so many wise and kind and good friends, and I just think they have so much wisdom to bring to you and, uh, and laughs and, and positivity and encouragement to strengthen you for the struggle you might be going through. So in this first episode, I am absolutely thrilled to bring you my dear, dear friend, uh, Mr. Justin Warren. He is a filmmaker. He is a screenwriter. He's a musician uh, and a recording artist and a father, husband, and overall just an incredible guy. And uh, we always chat whenever we can, try to make it every couple of weeks. And I walk away just feeling lighter in my spirit. You know, we commiserate and, uh, and we lift each other up. So I'm hoping that by listening to this today, you can feel the same thing that I do and appreciate uh, Justin as much as I do. So Justin, man, thanks so much uh, for being, being number one. How you doing, man? Oh my goodness, I'm I'm doing well, man. Thank you for that kind introduction. It's uh, it is an honor and a pleasure to be here. I thank you for that, man. I'm gonna try to make this interesting. So, uh, why don't you dive in? Tell us a little bit. Tell the people a little bit about yourself, and we'll kind of go from there, man. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, like you said, I'm a I'm a filmmaker, musician, um, originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. I uh, currently live in Los Angeles, California, sunny, very, very hot California, and um, I am, by by day, I work as an editor, and uh, by night slash weekends, I'm an independent filmmaker trying to bring my dreams to to the silver screen uh, of, of all sizes and shapes uh, near you coming soon, hopefully. Um, I, yeah, I just became a dad, which has like been a very, very interesting, uh, journey so far. It has matured me faster than any other event in my life. And, um, I am just excited at really a new perspective on life. Um, I feel like I've been very, 
the pandemic in particular for me has been very uh, mentally taxing, very, um, it's brought out the worst in me in, in many ways. And I've struggled with a lot of depression and anxiety and, uh, this little, this little kid has reawakened this, uh, the ability to experience awe. Like I, I see his eyes light up when I sing him a song or I will just make a silly voice and his eyes light up and he has such a purity to him <laughs> that has really, I feel like has given me a new lease on life. So, um, that's a little bit about me, um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm just a human trying to make my way through this very very bizarre era of time that we're living through. That you know this this great human experiment that we're that we're doing. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know if I have anything to <laughs> anything special to impart or anything. But uh, you know, I'll. I'll let you know what life is like as I'm experiencing it. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I love about you, man. Like you just take it as it comes. Um, but how you do it with the plum, man, you, you struggle through a lot of hard stuff. Uh, and I wanted to, I would love for the people to hear, if you don't mind, uh, kind of when you got into narrative, right? When you, you first fell in love with film and then kind of your journey coming out here, because I, I was always very impressed with that trajectory, how you, you know, came across the country from Arkansas. And uh, so, yeah, you tell people about that if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I really fell in love with, really, it was, it was the, the moving image. I fell in love with that pretty early. I would say around like the age of eight or so, my dad brought home a VHS camera and like he bought it for himself, <laughs> but I ended up playing with it and he just sort of let me play with it. And I, I remember seeing like this behind the scenes making of, of Star Wars, like the original trilogy, right? Mm. And everything back then was physical, right? Because there, there was no digital or, I mean, there was technically digital, but it was almost non-existent at the time. Um, but generally, uh, everything had to be done, you know, a special effect was done in camera, was done practically, and I remember watching how they made the Tauntauns move on Hoth. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, and it's all stop motion. It's just like uh, you would painstakingly start the camera, start the camera, uh, stop, uh, sorry, shoot like one frame, move the puppet barely an inch, <laughs> if that, shoot another frame, rinse and repeat. And then eventually you'd have a moving lifelike tauntaun and i remember that being just utterly mesmerizing when i was a kid and i tried to replicate that um so the the first little short i ever made is a little r2d2 action figure uh a little stop motion animation of r2d2 moving across my my kitchen table when i was a kid it's awesome and and ever since then, I have always, uh, whenever I saw a camera, I would think, oh, we can use this to like make something. <laughs> That's always been in me. Um, I, I went to Hendricks College in Conway, Arkansas, and I 
when I was there, I majored in theater. And so I started uh, performing on stage. I um, started playwriting, all sorts of things, and, and started to realize like how powerful narrative can be. How gathering a bunch of people in a dark room um, is enough to uh, to you know it, to change hearts, to change uh, perspectives more than anything. And after in, in, uh, my senior year of college, I started directing and I started directing little, uh, scenes. And that's when I really started to, uh, started to make little short films. And I made this little short. It's actually on my Vimeo. Don't go watch it. It's really bad. <laughs> we'll, we'll link to <laughs> that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, it's called Holy Black Man, and oh, it's man. this really, really silly short that I made um, with just my friends that I, I really just made on a whim, and, and it's very, very pure in the sense that like this was... YouTube had just become a thing. This was in 2005, yeah. I think, yeah. 2006. Right, yeah, 05, man. Um, yeah, 05, 06, around there. Um, wait, no, no, this was my senior year, so this was around 09. And uh, so YouTube was still a thing, but at that point, I wasn't thinking of like, oh, I'll, I'll upload it and people will see it. It was like literally just I wanted to make something just just because I was sitting around bored over the summer and wanted something to do. So I gathered my friends together and we made this really silly comedy short. Um, and I, I remember I, I had no idea how to edit or anything. Wow. And I was, I had a little laptop and I had, uh, a copy of final cut express on it. And <laughs> oh, I yeah. was doing my best to, to just piece it together. I didn't even really know, how editing worked, but I was mesmerized by the whole process. And I've always, I've always been excited about just the creative process in general. And so I, we ended up putting that together. And, uh, I, after that, I, I ended up working, I decided to, I kind of thought that's where like my dreams ended. I was like, okay, I've, I've made some shorts over college. I made multiple shorts throughout college. Um, but I was kind of like, okay, I think this is where maybe film is, is done for me. And so I ended up, uh, getting a job in, in Little Rock. I was working as a youth director at First United Methodist Church. And, uh, and all the while I was, uh, I got engaged and was going to marry my college sweetheart. And, all while that was happening, we, we kept having like these really long conversations of like, what does it look like to pursue your dreams? What is that? What does that look like? And I, uh, she encouraged me to just apply, just apply. And, you know, if you get rejected, you can say you tried and then boom, you know, you can move on with your it's life. A good you, woman you, right you, there. you won't have to. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, ahead of her time, perhaps, you know? <laughs> Um, and, and so she, cause in, in, in the middle of, of, of Arkansas, uh, a, a lot of people from Arkansas usually just stay there and that's fine. Um, but I, I wanted more, I wanted to, I, I always had this desire to just, what else is out there? You know? Um, 
And so I, at the time, the idea of leaving Arkansas was really scary to me, but I, I decided to just apply to film school and I applied to film school with that short, holy black man I made. That's really, really, when I look back on it now, I'm like, how on earth did that work? I don't even get it, but <laughs> it had heart, man. It um, had heart. I, yes. Yes. That, that it did. It had heart. It may not have had craft or anything <laughs> else, but it had heart. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I, I, I submitted that. Um, I ended up getting into film school in California. I ended up going to USC and, um, Basically, I about two weeks before my uh, a couple weeks after we got married, we ended up getting married, and maybe like what two weeks later, I packed up everything and moved to Los Angeles by myself because my wife was still uh, in grad school finishing up her pharmacy degree. Wow! So we spent the first two years of our lives apart. Uh, excuse me, of our marriage apart. Mm. And um, I suddenly went from small Little Rock, Arkansas to Los Angeles um, <laughs> overnight. And it was one of the most jarring experiences of my life. But um, it was probably the best decision I've, I've ever made in terms of uh, bringing my dreams to fruition. Um, and that, and and what's funny is like, a lot of times you usually think like, I think there, there's this myth when it comes to pursuing your dreams that there's like this destination, like, Oh, you got there and Oh, your dreams are here and boom, boom, you know, like, um, you know, fireworks and confetti. (laughs) But I realized that that's, that's never the case. Like it's, it's a, it's a constant, constant grind. It's a constant, uh, onward, uh, posture, like onward, keep going because you get there and then you realize there's another mountain to climb and then you climb that mountain and then you realize that's actually the base of another mountain (laughs) and you just, and you're like, Oh my gosh, it never stops. And absolutely. And that, that feeling of just like, maybe one day I'll be validated by my dream, you know? (laughs) Um, at least it hasn't happened to me yet. I haven't had that feeling where I'm just like, Oh yeah, this is the culmination of everything I've ever done. I, Uh, I, I always, I always get there. And then before I know it, there's another thing to climb. Yeah. It's funny. I would love, I remember you telling me that, what was it about USC that was so, um, such a culture shock, shall we say, Or, or rather, you know, coming into it, what did you expect? And then what was the experience actually like being in film school around other, other talented artists? What, uh, what was that experience like? I, I think the best analogy I can come up with to describe it is it kind of felt like I was like Harry Potter going off to Hogwarts because, you know, Harry Potter, you know, lived in a cupboard under the stairs and, he felt like there was something weird about him. Like he didn't really quite fit in, uh, like what, but, but there's something in him that's calling him to something more. Right. Yeah. Um, but then like, there's, there's something that kind of something beautiful happens and he gets this letter and he's like, Hey, you're actually a wizard, Harry, let's go off to Hogwarts. And it's a little shocking because you're like, Oh man, I knew something was different about me, but I didn't specifically know what it was. 
and you go off to this magical place and then you meet other kids who are just as obsessed with, uh, you know, make pretend as you are. And they're from all over the world and they, um, are, they, they're, they're all different sizes, shapes and colors, but you're all united by this, by this dream inside of you to, or, or this urge to get your dreams out of you on, in a medium that other people can experience. Mm. And that, that was what was kind of shocking to me because, uh, at the time in 2000, in the, you know, the, the, in 2009 ish around there, like there wasn't that much talk of like being a filmmaker in Arkansas, at least from, uh, in my circles. Now the, the film community has grown tremendously in, in Arkansas and Little Rock and, um, and it's, it's blossoming in a, in a beautiful way. But at the time it, it felt crazy to me to be like, I'm going to try to be a filmmaker. And then you come out to, to California and trying to be a filmmaker is super duper normal and regular. Right. Like <laughs> it's where we all come, you know, <laughs> it's where we all come. Exactly. And it's weird because you, you like, I felt like when I first got to, to USC, I felt extremely intimidated I kind of felt like this imposter syndrome, like, oh man, ah, can I hang with these people? Oh my gosh, these people are from all over the world. The talent level is crazy here. Can I even hang here? Um, and so there was a lot of, of self, I guess, uh, reflection that I had to go through to start to realize like, no, 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 I can be here. I'm, I'm allowed to take up space here. Um, I have things to say. Yeah. <laughs> I have opinions. I have perspectives that that I want to share with the world. And um, it was just a, it was just overwhelming, uh, just by sheer volume of human beings in one place. <laughs> um, you know, my uh, Hendricks College at the time, I, I don't know what the what the uh, the size of it is now, but at the time it was like maybe about eleven hundred kids hmm. and then you go to USC which is like 65,000 <laughs> kids <laughs> you know and you're town. like whoa yeah it's a whole town it's got its own bus system you know you're <laughs> like whoa this is crazy and um i remember just more than than ever just feeling like a fish out of water for the for the first couple of years and it really took me a while to get used to California. The, the lack of seasons yeah. was strange coming <laughs> from Arkansas where, uh, there's a season every couple of months. Yeah. It's just cycles through all the time. And which, which I, well, I think it's it, pretty normal. Like most of the world is like that, but not, not LA. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> Man. And tell me about, I remember you told me in the past that it was a bit of a, the slightly competitive environment was—is that right? USC. Ooh. Yeah, I feel all film schools are like this Bro. to a degree. But you were saying it was—it uh, was intense, dude. Yeah, it—it—it it, it felt almost like. Okay, so my my least favorite part of the filmmaking process, even to this day, is notes. Oh yeah, just oh. getting notes from people, <laughs> which is basically for for people who aren't familiar with the process, it's. You, you go out and film some stuff 
and then <laughs> um, at least in school you would you would then screen your dailies for people, which now seems unheard of to look at my raw dailies. Oh my god, it's like right. and it feels. It feels similar to just being completely butt naked in front of a room of 50 people and people telling you like, ooh, you've got warts and it's nasty. You need to really get that worked out. And and people, uh, at, at least in in at, at school at the time, I have no idea if it's the same way. I'm sure it is. Um, uh, critique felt like blood sport in a way. It felt like people intentionally loved to poop on your work <laughs> in, a, in a way that that is goes beyond the craft and almost goes into like your personal, uh, you know, the personal realm of just like, like I remember one of the one of the uh, I screened the first cut of my 508 at the time and one of the 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 comments and this was said by a professor a professor raised her hand and was like justin it doesn't look like this movie was directed by anyone oh man which is kind of one of the the big first off how is that helpful that's (laughs) i don't know how helpful that is right um but when you have spent the whole semester directing something and then someone says you know it this this looks like an infomercial i heard I, i heard that you know, people, uh, people telling you that like, you know, every choice you made was stupid and silly and dumb oh. and you do, you, you end up sort of leaving feeling like you, you were the, you were the human pinata that day. Wow. And it, and what, what's crazy is like, there's a, there's also sort of a culture of one-upmanship where if like, if someone says one one really really snide comment. Somebody's gonna raise their hand. It's and and I, oh yeah, I got one better. You know, it can get really really vicious very very quickly. And I mean, to this day, I still think I have like some sort of film school PTSD or something. Yeah. You know, not to diminish people who have actual PTSD <laughs> from like yeah, yeah. going to war or anything. And not to diminish that, but I do think that I I have some sort of like weird sort of I have to protect myself when I'm in front of a group of people uh, screening my work. Um, and I've learned a lot of really great lessons from that, uh, that you really, that, that the general public, especially now, this is pre pandemic, bro. You know what I mean? Like now more than ever, the online space is super duper toxic. At least I feel like it is. I, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of data that will back me up. Yeah, I think that's inarguable. Um, I think it, I think it's really. Uh, I don't think people yes. disagree with anyone there. Yes, exactly. the The online space is more toxic than it's ever been, mm. and it can just get very, very unnerving when you release a piece of work. And I think that the more hostile the general online spaces, I think that that's not good for art generally, because at least for me, I I know that I have, I have second guessed myself many times of just like, do I really want to put that out? So, and I, and there was a time in my life where I never felt that way. Interesting. So when was that? Like what part of your life were you just like, man, just put it out there. I think it was college. I think that was probably the, the freest I've ever felt creatively. I, for some reason I felt like Ah, uh, no one can hurt me. I can do anything. Wow. 
Like that's beautiful. Creativity is boundless. Yeah. And man, I do not feel that way now. I I'm very, very aware of my, of my faults, my, my, um, my shortcomings as an artist, as a man, as a, as a human trying to make my way through life. And I can, I, it's very, very easy for me to get in my head and to, um, second guess everything I'm doing. Um, I, I am getting better at finding methods of, of relieving that, that burden, but it does not come with, with great, great, um, energy and, (laughs) and, uh, you know, um, just stress involved for sure. Yeah, man, I know how hard you work. And I'd love to talk about that later, actually, if we, you know, some of the strategies that you picked up. Uh, But before we get there, if, uh, speaking of, you know, traumatic experiences, maybe, uh, talk about the film that you made after USC. Talk about that process and kind of, maybe that can help illuminate some of the, the things that you have come to know about the creative process and about yourself. Wow. Wow. Mm, I know, I know it's hard to sum up. So it's rich. It's rich. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, well, after, after USC, I, uh, I did the crazy, I did a crazy thing and I made my first feature film called then there was Joe. Uh, it stars Joe. Ray. Then there Come was on. Joe. That's right. <laughs> uh, starring Mr. Ray Grady. Um, uh, brilliant comedian um in the uh in the kevin hart family and uh we uh basically i just i just took the plunge you know i i I would say that in a filmmaker's journey making a making your first feature is very much it kind of feels like a hazing process now but it's (laughs) it's kind of an initiation i would say yeah and for me um uh, it came out in 2018, and so I'm a few years removed from it now. Uh, so I, I've got some space to kind of reflect on it, but um, it was by far the most, the entire process of raising money, uh, pulling the crew together, inter-crew <laughs> struggles. Um, trying to, you know, making the movie on your own, finishing it on your own, um, doing it like a hundred percent indie, right? This was like completely made outside of the, of the system, um, in a way that now I, I realized that I was like that, that willful naivete (laughs) that I had making it was my asset. It was my greatest asset and was also my greatest flaw wow. <laughs> while I was making it. Um, <laughs> and I, I know there's like a shockingly high number of, of first time filmmakers that don't make another feature. Yeah. And I totally know why I totally get it because it's a, it's an unbelievably grueling process. I'm not really sure if it's really benefited me that much Um, which might sound weird, uh, to, to someone who, who might not be familiar with the process, but, um, I, I think, I think the, the lessons were mainly for me (laughs) at the end of the day, you know, like, um, I, I do think that, that, uh, that the process itself grew everyone up, uh, making it, 
Um, we all grew as human beings making the film. Um, uh, but once you sort of release it out into the wild, again, it, it kind of goes back to that stuff in, in film school of the PTSD of, of people saying horrible, horrible things about your baby. Um, you know, I, I definitely experienced that and the pain that, that comes with that because, uh, then there was Joe as a super duper personal comedy that I made yeah. about my family. Um, if, if, uh, you're listening and not familiar with it, my, uh, it's about a super duper legalistic law student whose brother is a career criminal and they basically, uh, while this criminal brother is, uh, awaiting trial, he uh, basically moves in with his very <laughs> legalistic brother and they uh, start to, they basically are just locked in a house together yeah. and shenanigans ensue. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. And, um, you know, they start off as strangers and then by the end they become brothers and you start to learn like what uh, brotherhood means mm. and, um, they each grow and they change as people. And, uh, I, I, I felt like I had to, you know, when, when you, whenever you make, uh, a piece of art from the raw material of your life, Hmm. uh, you are starting to kind of play with fire at that point. Because, uh, when someone starts to talk smack about it, it can feel like a personal attack on you because, that's your that that's 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 you man that's that's you <laughs> right this and is above criticism i lived exactly. through exactly <laughs> yeah and you know I, I i went through a really really long process of of uh rejection after after joe uh it screened at the at the arkansas cinema society first in little rock arkansas to a sold out crowd which was awesome and then um then we premiered it at the downtown independent in Los Angeles, uh, the following month. And, uh, and it was pretty well received just from, from an audience perspective. Like I think if you objectively, and and more than anything, I really do think that Joe is an audience movie. Like you, when you're, when you're with a group of people watching it, it's a really, really raucous, um, very (laughs) rambunctious experience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, it, it, it did pretty well in the festival circuit. Um, and whenever I would go to festival screenings, I was always shocked at how loud it was in the, in the movie theater. Most of the time you couldn't even hear the dialogue because people were laughing so hard. Right. That's great. I love this movie. I just want to let you know. I I love this movie. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. You've always been an early supporter and I, I, I appreciate you for that, my friend. Um, but yeah, no, it's, a, uh, um, you know, but, but after that, it, it was an incredibly isolating, lonely experience because I was trying to get the, the movie out to a much larger audience and I felt like all I got was no's like rejections from literally everywhere. Um, I tried to sort of do the Hollywood thing. I, I ended up having a lot of meetings at some pretty, some pretty big companies and, uh, it just seemed like there was sort of a, an attitude of ambivalence to everything I was doing in a way that 
sort of sort of caused like a bit of an existential crisis in me. I was like, oh my God, like if this doesn't impress you, what will, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to impress you. If, if, if me pulling together a feature on my own with pretty much, uh, shoestrings and, and gum, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, if, if, and, and it turned out well, if that doesn't impress you, I, I don't, I don't know how. And dude, it's just been a really, really rough experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and add Afterwards. to that the personal nature of it, right? So they're basically rejecting the film feels like they're rejecting you, like like very directly. Mm-hmm. That's tough, man. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Um, but it still exists, right? I, it's in the wild. People can go see it now if they wanted to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's in the wild. Um, I I'm doing something kind of crazy, and you know, I don't know if. Uh, you know, the jury's still out on if this is a great strategy, but, you know, I, uh, and this might be a controversial statement, but one of my favorite comedians is Louis C.K., right? Come on. <laughs> um, and uh, he is, uh, he's always been super duper independent and he releases his, his work on his website. And so I turned down some, uh, some distribution deals in order to keep the movie up on my website. Um so you sort of remain in control of it. Um, I don't know how, how mentally healthy that is for me. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really, uh, considering like maybe I should, uh, release it on, you know, Amazon or 2B TV or something, um, just so it can reach a, a, a larger audience. But for now it's, it's available on my website, um, at, uh, I think it's watch dash Joe. Awesome. We'll um, put that link in the show notes, it. everybody. Don't worry. So, uh, yeah, it's watch-joe.com. But, um, nice. yeah, it's, I, it's bizarre because I've, since then, I've, I've been, I've been writing, uh, kind of like a madman, um, since then yeah. and trying to find like, what is the next thing that I actually want to go through an excruciating process of bringing to life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's made me a little more uh, hesitant about jumping back into the, the director's chair. I don't know. Um, I don't know when I will, um, but I know that it will happen again because there, I did go through a, a long period where I wasn't even sure if I wanted to direct a movie again, but it's weird because it's like, for instance, you know, like with, with faith, right? I, I struggle with my faith all the time. Um, if I, uh, you can ask me if I believe in God and it just depends on the day. It depends on the day. Like, uh, that's real, man. General. Yeah. And so like, I, even in, in the days where I feel like I don't believe in God, I will still go, God, this is messed up. <laughs> so it's like, who am I talking to? Yeah. Who am I talking to? If, if I, if I say, I don't believe in you, but I'm still talking to you. That's kind of how movie making has felt to me lately. It's like, huh. it's like, I don't believe in you, but, but I got a great idea for this shot though. <laughs> you know, it's, right? it's, it's, it's like can't a get sickness. Rid of it. yeah. 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 It's a sickness. I can't, I can't, uh, there's no cure for. And so I've, <laughs> I've only recently, and I, and I think my, my, my son has helped me sort of realize that like, Hey man, you just gotta, you just gotta keep rolling. You gotta keep going. Even if, uh, you know, even when things start to feel like 
they don't make sense. At the end of the day, um, you just have to do what makes your soul sing, you know, and, um, and forget about everything else because everything else that was getting me down was not related to the actual physical process of setting up a camera and trying to frame up a shot and thinking of where that shot is going to be in sequence of some larger project. Um, that process still gives me an extreme amount of pleasure and extreme amount of joy, but everything else around it is kind of miserable and awful. <laughs> and, uh, I've had to, to basically realize that, you know, uh, pursuing some sort of Hollywood dream is really not the same thing mm. as making independent films. It's not the same journey, you know? Yeah. And you know, I'm definitely a hundred percent on the slow trek to wherever I'm going. Um, because like wherever this whole process is leading, I, I want to get there on my own terms in a way that feels authentic to me and, and my soul. Because the thing that, that the pandemic taught me more than anything is like, I just want to be happy. Yeah. I don't really care about anything else at the end of the day. If you're, if you're isolated in your home, if you can enjoy your day when you're isolated in your home with very little human contact, then dude, you can probably, you're probably in for the long run. You know, you can probably (laughs) make it, make it work. And, uh, more, more than anything, I, I do, I just, I, I want to do the things that, ignite my soul that, that, that make me want to, that give me energy, pretty much everything else related to movie making that isn't the creative part depletes me. And so I, I don't. And so in many ways, you know, and this is a, this is a much larger discussion, but in many ways I feel like I'm, I'm born in kind of the wrong era of time (laughs) because right because right now, um, everything just feels so weird and so strange and so disorienting that I kind of don't even recognize the the world anymore yeah. um, in a way that makes me want to just tune out and and take sort of the ostrich approach, like put my head in the sand and don't just go away noise leave me alone like i'm hibernating we had a lot of practice in the pandemic doing that so you're like i could pull it off i could do it (laughs) right exactly unplug from the matrix yeah oh yeah i'm a pro now do you think that do you think that's partly because of of the the your time growing up from a teenager into college was kind of on the tail end of the pre-internet age you know what I mean? Like you had a little bit of this time where it was internet was still growing for sure. And then it became the juggernaut that it is. So that's, that's kind of disorienting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, I feel like millennials in particular, like we have a very, I'm a millennial. We, we have a, a very, uh, we have a very unique perspective on the world because yeah, we, we grew up in an age where there wasn't the internet. The internet was just kind of becoming a thing. And so I don't know. And, 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 you know, call me a sucker for nostalgia, but you know, the, 
the nineties and the early aughts sort of, you know, felt like a really sort of beautiful age, uh, of time. And then, you know, everything, you know, except, you know, nine 11 happened. And, and ever since then, the world's been a little more, <laughs> I don't know, has felt a little more hostile, a little more, um, uh, you know, I probably sound old now and that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I got a kid now. I can Dude, sound old. Right. It's you fine. have, you do you, man, you have a right, you have earned it. <laughs> right. If, if you have yeah. arrived anywhere, you have derived there. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and, and so, you know, at, uh, j- just watching how you know these invent these invisible tentacles that that are you know social media and you know just screens everywhere more screens screens mm-hmm. screens more screens another streaming service another one you know <laughs> like it's it's like oh my god like how much can we take before we all completely uh, implode like I. I feel like the cognitive load of being an adult now is so crazy. Like if I have to log into another, if I have to make another account for something, I'm going to lose my mind. And I'm so tired of, of these, these tech companies that kind of run our lives now. Like I'm, I'm really tired of it. And you know, I, it's, Ooh, that's a topic, man. Well, that, that, go, that reminds me of something. We go deep into that. <laughs> but we, let's just dip our foot in the water. Cause I remember you said something to me one time that I thought that's so profound. You talked about the day and now we're not trying to dump on anybody's platform, but the day Facebook grew in the internet. Um, uh, oh yeah. Which is just I, to me, I mean, obviously things are what they are and then the platform's going where it's going, but I thought it was such an interesting observation about uh, that turnover from kind of a shared experience to a curated experience and how that actually pushed us apart a little bit. Can you talk about that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I vividly remember getting Facebook, uh, and it happened in 2005. I had just graduated from high school and, and somebody, somebody was like, Hey man, are you on Facebook? And I was like, what, what is Facebook? (laughs) What and, is this book of the face? Yeah. Yeah. What is this book of the face? And they and and they were like, oh man, I'll send you an invite or whatever. And oh, that's right. The, the invites. Yeah. Yeah. You had to you had to be invited to Facebook, and you had to be invited from someone from the college you were going to because it was, it, uh, you know, uh, Facebook networks were siloed off into colleges, and so, uh, I I got an invite to the the Hendrix College Facebook, um, you know, network. And you could only basically befriend friends in your college. And at, at that time, it was kind of awesome. I was like, dude, this is really cool. These are people, oh my gosh, I'm going to be taking Spanish with this person. Hey, what's up, dude? Uh, you know, and, and I really did. I started that summer messaging people I was taking classes with. Amazing. And it was kind of great. There were no ads can you imagine Facebook with, with no ads? <laughs> it was there were more n- idyllic time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There were no ads. And pretty much you could only do like three things. You could send a message to someone. You could post a, a profile picture. You couldn't even post like, you know, a picture of my latte. Like you couldn't do that. <laughs> right. Um, you could fill out your profile and you could poke people. You oh, could yes. po- poke people it's (laughs) the almighty poke the almighty poke and that's that was it and as i get older 
um, I realized that things with fewer features are better. <laughs> Dude, it could do three things and it did those three things really, really well, right? <laughs> um, and then I vividly remember uh, one day we logged on and there was a thing called a news feed. Oh, no. Your news feed. <laughs> and I was like, news feed? What? Mm. And at that point, uh, they they kept changing the game of Facebook, right? Mm. The, the game was uh, you only connect with people from your college. And they were like, actually, we're going to let high school kids on here. Actually, we're going to let your mom and dad on here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Actually, we're going to start selling you ads all the time. Every third post is going to be an ad. Oh, and man. actually, we're going to, you know, and, and, and the, the deal kept changing mm. all the time. You know, they kept changing the deal. And by that time, it's too late because we've already put all of our data <laughs> in there. So, you know, the joke's on you at that point. But... The day that it all shifted was when they introduced the newsfeed and everything. And I didn't even really know what the newsfeed was. And I remember that that Facebook apologized to people. They had a little note up there that was like, guys, sorry that you don't like the newsfeed, but trust us, you'll get used to it or something like that, (laughs) which was like the shittiest apology ever. And, um, and, and, and I, and, and at that point I, I didn't know that that was the day that social media became algorithmically driven. There it is. Right. Yep. Like everything that we see at that point has been selected by some soulless computer that, that, that studies your behavior, right. And shows you exactly what you want to see. (laughs) My God, if that's not the definition of the beginning of a dystopian culture, I don't know what is. That's exactly it. It's like, you don't need to know what you want. I'll tell you what you want. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and at that point it was all about scrolling. That's right, yeah. Which which inherently puts you in a super duper passive mindset. Yeah. It's not active. When I, I remember when when I would log on to Facebook, it would just be like, "All right, what do you want to do?" And I'm like, "Huh, I want to message my friend." And then you get on there and you do that and then you're done. But now, but now it's it's like you you log on to Facebook and it's like Every single book in the library is just dumped on your head, and you're like, "I don't. Uh, what was I on here for?" Oh, it and, hurts. Oh, uh, yeah. And the the sad part is that you know uh, we were around to experience what that was like before this disgusting, uh, you know, iteration of of social media that we're all drowning in now. Yeah. Uh, we kind of knew what it was like before that. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I think there's, I don't think it's a coincidence that as more people get on social media, the more hostile culture becomes in general. Um, you know, and and and, 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 I'm just saying mm -hmm. it's crazy that we're so aware of that, right? We think about these things all the time, kind of being in the entertainment industry and, and thinking about the way people experience things. But it's wild to think that there are a lot of people that are still just logging on. And seeing what's there and just letting it drive their mind. It's like, that's, that's frightening, man. Absolutely. It is frightening. And, you know, I, okay. Over the pandemic, I, I, I quit social media pretty much cold Turkey. 
it. I was Burn just like, down. I'm done. And I, I basically turned it off and had to kind of, I, I started going to therapy and had to just get my mind right. Right. And because dude, 2020, woo, we, I think every American should have, we should all get patches in the mail that says <laughs> I lived through 2020. Right. At least a t-shirt, something. At least a t-shirt, something. Yeah. yeah. Because like, you know, I think about my child and my child was only born earlier this year. Right. Wow, yeah. Like my, my kid has no frame of reference for what 2020 is, which is like crazy and right? and wonderful, right? Like yes, God. and great, yeah, and excellent, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I don't know. I I think about the dir- I like I'm constantly. I, I I definitely went through this very existential sort of angst of just like where are we going as as human beings as yeah. the, the the whole human family my god what what what's in our water there's something in the water <laughs> yeah. and we we we've got to stop drinking it at some point you know um the i, I know that that to uh gen z i sound like like <laughs> you know an old fogey um yeah, be, be, because the the crazy part is like i i was actually doing i actually attended a workshop where i was talking about like uh, Gen Z and what Gen Z thinks and what Gen Z values and things like that. And what's interesting is they go to social media generally first for relationship, right? Fascinating. Um, yeah. Every like millennials generally go to social media for information first, ah, right? Yeah. And and relationships are last on that list. Well, it's completely reversed for for Gen Z. So wow. so so to be someone who's like get off social media people, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um kids, it's destroying your brain. <laughs> you know, that's not going to really go that they're not going to really receive that, yeah. right? It's not going to land so, well. That's not going to land well. Exactly. So, so I'm trying to figure out like, okay, how does this work? Like, uh, like, like to me, social media is like a haunted house Mm. and people are trying to go inside the haunted house to make (laughs) friends. And you're trying to tell them like, Hey, that thing that you're trying to be friends with is actually a demonic spirit. <laughs> get out, um, man. Get out. Get out while you still can't, you know? Yeah. And so I I I, I don't know. I, I don't know the there's there's definitely there there's a there's a documentary called The Social Dilemma. Oh yeah. That's yeah. quite that's mm. quite incredible. It really, really breaks down like that we really are in a dilemma. There's really no solution to it. That's the that's the scary part because we we as human beings are just naturally afraid of missing out yeah we are uh we we are naturally social creatures we want to be included and when i was off social media i definitely felt disconnected from the world for sure yeah. in a way in a way that was also oddly isolating yeah so so it's bizarre it's like I'm either I I'm I'm either in the haunted house and am terrified and disgusted, or I'm standing outside the house listening to the screams of people inside <laughs> of it, and oh. there's really no oh, solution. No. Oh no! And yeah. so I I don't I don't know what the solution is, but all I know is that I I now have a lot of things to talk about as an artist. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's funny. My my late. Oh, sorry. The, go ahead. It's the upside. Yeah. Oh no, I was just saying that. I guess that's the upside. Yeah. Well, it forces you to to think about it so that you don't go crazy. It's funny. I just got back on Instagram uh, to try to help promote the podcast and also to just try to try to be generative. You know, put some some engaging and interesting things on there. And I think like what I've come to is as long as I can keep the desperation out of it. You know, like yes. as long as I'm not compulsively mm. checking it, compulsively scrolling and just, you know, just letting that thumb ride, you know, as long as that's not happening and, I, and yeah. I'm okay with the fact that I still have no followers, <laughs> but I only, I mean, I've only posted five times. I mean, come on, right? I can, and all I have right now, I don't have a picture. I just have, I have the podcast logo. So people are probably still wondering like, is this a real person? I don't know. <laughs> is this a uh, bot? <laughs> right. I mean, it looks like a bot. You look at it. It really does. You know, some weird thing with a hat and that. What's the RNA for? I don't know. So, but I, I'm just trying to, to do things, like you said, uh, to be active rather than passive, like always trying to be engaging in an uplifting way somehow. Cause there's so man, there's so many good blues guitarists on Instagram. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, like an embarrassment of riches. Absolutely. So I'm always feeling encouraged when I get on there. If, if I'm looking at the right stuff, you know, totally. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I've had to sort of recalibrate my own brain cause I'm, I'm also back on Instagram. Um, oh, nice. I, and, I shall find I, you my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I, uh, I reactivated my, my Facebook and stuff and right. I, but that's but idealism what right I, there. That's good. That's good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I had to like, now it's great because I, I really don't do not compulsively check it. Um, that's one thing I'm, that I'm, I'm proud to say that I don't. Um, and in, in fact, like I, I, I actually feel nausea whenever I tap on on any of those icons right it's like deep breath fucker time here we go right absolutely and and so I'm I'm trying to to figure out how to relate to it in a way that yeah doesn't make me feel like I'm some sort of passive automaton um you know, uh, and, and makes me feel strong and mighty. If it doesn't make me feel strong and mighty now, I don't want it in my life. Yeah. And, and now I'm, uh, you know, um, I think that, that, uh, I'm also pretty aggressive about, you know, what I allow in my feed. Nice. Like if it, if it is not serving me, if it made me go, if it made me sad for a second, like get it out. <laughs> like, do not Get suggest out. this post. Do not block. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. Since I've just started out again, I'm getting all the suggested posts because Instagram is trying to guess what I like, and it's just a lot of, a lot of X's. Yeah. I mean, you know, God bless the people that are doing what they're doing, but it's just not what I'm looking for. So, that's that's the work I have to do, and that's fine. Hmm. I'll do it. Yeah, man. Uh, but speaking of speaking of music and, and things that bring you joy in your life, uh, I've been blessed to hear some of your recent work and i know you're still kind of writing it and curating it and, and w- deciding when to put it out in the world but uh more interested to, to have the people hear kind of how you know you always have had a love for music and, and like myself and it, it not that it took a back seat but there just wasn't much time for it as you were going through film and you sort of come back around to it and that's sort of part of your journey right now is that right like oh, talk about that absolutely yeah music has like really come back has come storming back into my life in a way that is oddly very welcomed. Yes. I, I, 
I actively pushed music away when I was in film school. I was like, nope, don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, because honestly, I don't I don't know how I could have really done music and film at film school at the same time. I mean, yeah. you you know, film yep. school is an all consuming yes. thing. It's a monolith. And yes, exactly. And uh, but what's been strange is that coming back as I'm I'm 35 now. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Um, as it as it comes back into my life uh, as a as an older approaching middle aged man, um, it's it has taken on new meaning. And uh, what's interesting is that things that didn't make sense to me when I was in my teens, because my my first album I put out I was I was nineteen, right? Wow. Um, didn't really know what I was doing at all. <laughs> that kind of summarizes um, I, nineteen, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. No idea what I was doing. Um, I I uh, was playing pretty much purely by ear. Um, I actually didn't realize how much music theory I was actually aware of because I, I I had a really really solid. Uh, we had a really great choir program in the high school I went to. I went to Episcopal Collegiate in Little Rock, Arkansas, and. Um, we had a really great choir program and our choir teacher did an excellent job of exposing us to music theory very early. And what, what was crazy is I remember sort of like, I could recite it to you, but I didn't know how really how to think about it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, so I could go like, you know, uh, oh yeah, this is a major third. This is a minor third. Oh yeah, this is the fifth. You know, I, I, I could understand things like that, but I didn't really know how to put it into practice or how to use it, right? Uh, what's been really strange is like coming back to music at age 35, it suddenly kind of all makes sense and I sort of know how to use it now, nice. which is which is bizarre and strange. I never thought that would ever happen. Um I started uh, recording music again at the beginning of the pandemic because we were all, you know, locked in our houses. Right. So, um, and what's interesting about like coming back to music is like, definitely I could tell like, woo, it's been a while since I've done this. My God. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but after like a couple years of steady kind of consistent chipping away at different songs and things like that, I've come to realize like, like what's great about music is it's something that nowadays with a laptop, you really can do pretty much by yourself. And, um, you know, uh, more than anything, uh, I feel like it's an outlet for me to kind of express my unfiltered rawest thoughts. So, uh, and, and to find tones that support the story, right? Um, yeah, yeah. of, of what I'm doing. Um, I, I, I now really also love the math of music, which is, which is like really fun to me. It's fun to sort of break that math and be like, all right, <laughs> I know for a fact people think I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the one here, but nope, we're gonna mix <laughs> this up with the, with the dominant fifth baby, you know, just yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Um, and, Blowing my mind, man. And, and and it's just fun. It's it's just fun because I, I I think the 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 feedback loop is so short with with music. Uh, the feedback loop with film, 
at least when you're an indie filmmaker, is way too damn long. Yeah. Um, in a way that, like, you can be working for a couple of years on a project that that no one knows about, and uh, the only person who's telling you you you're doing a good job is you. Yeah. And sometimes that's not enough. Uh, so, you <laughs> yeah. know, but, but I, but I love the fact that I can just plug my keyboard into my laptop and immediately play something and hear it. Yeah. That's really, that's really, really awesome. Um, Amazing. and it, so, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was, it's as immediate as a sculpture or a drawing. Like once you finish it, it's right there. It's right there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, when I, when I was in film school, I did, uh, I, I basically took the, the learn everything approach. So I, I took, uh, I went through the sound program at USC while I was there. And, uh, so like the, the mixing skills that I gained there are suddenly very relevant to music now, you know? And so, uh, yeah, music has just come alive again in a way that actually I really can't wait to eventually, uh, gain the chutzpah required to, uh, release some new music because I, I really have been itching to release music for a while. I, I put out a, a little EP of songs in 2015. Um, uh, but I, I definitely want to release something more, more, I hate to say it, uh, in a more modern fashion. Cause we, cause now music is, is very much singles driven. Like it's, it's sort of hard to put out an album these days. I, I eventually want to, yeah. Uh, but I'm my goal is to release at least two or three songs in the next year uh, on on Spotify or wherever you get your streaming stuff these days. <laughs> everywhere, um, wherever you everywhere. get your well, everywhere. Yeah. Um, you just made me think of something. What's amazing about that? It's sort of like if people enjoyed film just scene by scene. Like, oh, I love this scene, uh, and I just watched that scene. But uh -huh. like, there's a whole movie behind it, and like the the experience of an album, the way we would experience it growing up, it was like a holistic experience. And so I, I sort of feel bad for Gen Z, and I hope hope that someday the hipsters come back around to that. You know, just be like, wait, you can listen to the whole album. If you listen to it all together, it's different than just, yeah. you know, that one hit track. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's like the, I don't know. I, I remember in high school, um, I used to, it, it. this almost sounds weird now, but I used to uh, put on a CD, <laughs> put on headphones, turn off all the lights in my room close my eyes and lay on my bed and listen to an album from start to finish. That used, is beautiful. I used to do That's that. Awesome. I used to do that regularly. And, wow. uh, and, and the, the journey of an album and, and hearing songs in context against their brothers and sisters, <laughs> their brother and yes. sister songs yeah. it is an enriching experience. It truly is. And I, I, I feel like now there's really all, I mean, when I think of how many times my phone has beeped, uh, just, you know, before 8am today, um, it's like, how, how do you even find the space for that now? It's, it's difficult to do, yeah. but, but when you, it has to be really intentional. You have to extremely. carve it out, you know, yes. and, and you have to, you, here's a crazy thing. Like you were saying, if you're missing out, you have to decide to miss out. Yes. Yes. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah. And and life is better when you miss out on the things that 
don't matter. Yes. Because, <laughs> but, but then you got to go deeper. You have to, you have to define what it is that matters to you. And, and I think for a lot of people, uh, you may not be sure. I know I, w- I definitely went through a, pro- uh, a period where I was like, I don't even know what matters to me. And when you're not even sure what matters to you, then you can find yourself scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, trying to find some type of meaning. Yeah, and you're not gonna find it. You're not going to <laughs> right, oh, right. You'll you'll never find it. <laughs> Which is and, so crazy. Yeah, I feel bad for yeah. Mark Zuckerberg and every kind of tech tech entrepreneur who is trying to create more connection and just uh, it's just gone so wide. You know. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's a it's a I I I do worry. I, I worry about the next generation. I worry about my child growing up in in this weird because I mean, dude, we're the first human beings to go through this technology yeah right well like like we're we're like society at large we're all guinea pigs in this bizarre (laughs) experiment yeah like and it yeah i'm actually keeping like our kids are always like when are you gonna get us phones i'm like when you leave the house like you're gonna get your own phone i'm not right i'm not getting you a smartphone i'm sorry it's just yeah no one should have to deal with that before they're in college and maybe not even then maybe not even then exactly i got an iphone my senior year of college and i felt like i was late to the iphone game um, and I, I was, I was very aware and of how much it affected my ability to concentrate. Yeah. And yeah, oh, totally, man, dude. And even and just having it on the table, you know, even if it's face down, it's like, it's yelling at you. It's so abs- weird. Absolutely. And, and the thing too, that's like, so crazy is like, dude, if you can't concentrate, how are you ever going to create that thing that only you can create yes you know exactly exactly it it disturbs me because i i think about how many incredible amazing things aren't going to get invented or aren't going to get made because it's just easier to scroll it is oh man preaching to the choir here now i i do have to say like we're we, I do applaud all the efforts, though, of the tech companies to try to make good things. And obviously, right, this podcast wouldn't be possible without Spotify and Anchor. And, uh, exactly. And which that, is so, it's so weird, you know? You can't, right. these are tools that can, that can be used for good, but yes, uh, not yes. high percentage, you know? Yeah, Man. yeah. And, and, and as long as we're just aware that that's happening, then I think it's okay. It's like, it's like I, it's like driving a car, right? Every single time you drive a car, you are polluting the environment. You are literally destroying Mother Earth every single time <laughs> you do that. But oh, it, it's it's kind of like the butterfly effect, right? It's like, okay, you know, a butterfly can flap its wings in Los Angeles, but maybe that maybe that causes a tsunami on the other side of the world, man. <laughs> you know, um, like I totally understand that, like you know, uh, our, our 21st century infrastructure can't really survive without these tools because so much of what we do, we, we do, we relate to each other through our devices now. Um, 
And I know I'm not foolish enough to think like, I'm going to change that. (laughs) I fully am aware that's like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm an old man yelling at clouds. That's what I'm doing. Um, but you know, somebody's got to yell at the clouds to be like, Hey, you know, because there, there are, I'm, I'm actually shocked at the amount of people, uh, I talk to who don't really know at least what's going on under the hood of these, uh, of our devices. And, you know, I, I, uh, because we were all locked in our houses for a couple of years, I, I learned how to code over the, over the pandemic and, uh, learned how to basically do more or less like basic Python. Right. Nice. So I'm probably, you know, maybe a fifth grader in terms of my, my coding abilities, but it definitely made me way more mindful of how computers think and how they operate and what code is doing. And that has at least made me a lot more uh, mindful of, of every single screen I use, every single device. And, and I, I hope that, that that type of mindfulness can spread throughout culture. I'm not saying everyone needs to learn how to code, but yeah. like just awareness of what the thing is doing to you <laughs> yeah. and your place in, in the whole chain. Yeah. To, to use so. your device, not let your device use you. Exactly. hundred percent. Well, I think we've definitely hit that point. That's, that's always good insight, man. I love John with you about that stuff before uh, we kind of wrap up here. Cause you know, it's been, you've given me so much of your time, man. I, I deeply appreciate it. Absolutely. I wanted to ask and kind of put you on the spot and uh, in the future, I'll try to, guess the heads up but it was a busy weekend um what is you know one piece of advice that you could pass out to uh, maybe somebody who's trying to make sense of everything you know like i like you said you just had a had a baby boy and you're learning so much wisdom and, and you have right you survived uh, in such amazing ways um what would you want to tell someone just something they can take with them for me i would say to okay this might be overly simplistic but really really get in touch with what your values are Mm. and keep them close do not let them out of your sight frame them if you can (laughs) um like for me i'll just man i'll just say them all right so like i i went through this period where I, of just meaninglessness, I just felt like everything was meaningless and meaninglessness, uh, uh, leads to depression leads to, uh, just really, it just goes to dark places. It, it never leads anywhere productive. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like I, uh, I was lucky enough to have to run into, uh, uh, a mentor of mine who literally gave me a sheet of values. It's hmm. like, like the values are like simplicity, <laughs> truth, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. philosophy, virtue. like, like, I, yeah, v- yeah, exactly. They're all vir- virtues. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he was like, Hey, I want you to, to go through this list. There's probably a hundred of them on there. Yeah. And it was like, pick your top three. Whoa. And I was like, wow. And so I spent a day or two and I picked my top three, right? Yeah. And I have 
clung to those so hard that I I have a notebook on my desk right now yeah. with those three values in it, right? And yeah. so I open up my notebook and the first thing I see are those three things. That has that has grounded me in a way that when when the storm comes of life, that's my life preserver. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I I can look at that and go, oh yeah. That's why I'm here. Oh yeah, that can give me some guidance. That's my compass. Yeah. That's my true north when the boat gets turned around, you know? <laughs> yeah. And trust me, the boat is going to get turned around. It's going to capsize. Absolutely. The boat will capsize. And when you get back in inside, you've got to write the, the ship. You have to write the yeah. ship. And... Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, you know, human beings today were assaulted by so many messages, so many, uh, so many images, so many marketing things that it just chips away at your cognitive energy to the yeah. point that you can just start to feel numb. And mm-hmm. whenever I uh, look at my values like very clearly, um, whenever I look at them, I immediately feel like this sense of, of relief from whatever it is that I'm experiencing. So, uh, more than anything, I, I would say, please, please like literally boil, like boil your values down to three words, like single words and put them someplace that you can see at all times and look at it every single day without fail. And you will probably start, it's weird because it starts to build on itself and you start to, like those words start to uh, take on new meaning, new depth over time. And you start to realize that your days start to have a direction to them and they start to build on top of, uh, of themselves. And so your days start to add up and they start to, uh, give back to you instead of take away from you. So define what it is that's important to you, your values, write them down and look at them every single day. That would be my one piece of advice. Dude, setting the bar high, man. (laughs) I guess I'm going to follow that. That (laughs) Appreciate it, man. Thank you. So good. That's so good, man. Dude. Well, Hey, Thank you again so much for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Warren. Uh, we'll put a bunch of links in the show notes uh, that you can go check his stuff out and uh, follow him on whatever socials you can find him on, as he's mentioning. <laughs> and uh, I recommend you watch Then There Was Joe. I really like it. It may not be the movie for, like, maybe it's not your thing, but uh, it just makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> I still I still quote it to my kids, you know, man? Like, I'll oh, quote I it, and they'll it. be like, what movie is that from, Daddy? Like, well... Uh, so I love it. It's great, man. Uh, well, hey, love your brother. Thanks for coming on, love and too, uh, we will see you anon. Yeah. Th- thank you so much. I had a blast. Right on. Peace. Peace. There you have it, everybody. Check the show notes for uh, Mr. Justin Warren's information, where you can follow him and see more of his stuff. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you hope you feel lighter. Hope you feel ready to face whatever it is you have to face because that's uh, something we all got to do. So much love to you. 
And don't forget, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at A Riven and Alien, and also on Medium if you like more literary musings. You can reach out to me at rivenandalien.com slash contact. And if you want to support the show directly, you can go to rivenandalien.com slash support and follow the link to my anchor page. And as always, if you're hearing some things in here that make you wonder about ultimate truth and beauty and goodness, you can find my thoughts on that at rivenandalien.com slash searchers. And it's a pretty direct, pretty... Some might say narrow view, but it's the only thing I've found that's brought deep, beautiful meaning to my life, and that's what I'd want for you if that's what you're looking for. So, I look forward to seeing you next time here at the Ramble Room. Don't be a stranger. Godspeed to you. And I'll see you out there. (laughs) 